Proverbs 29, verse 2. When you have it, say amen. The Bible says, and they should have these on the screen for you, the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. I want to read that one more time. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I just pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts. Lord, let every calloused place, every shut up place in our hearts that's not submitted to the word of God, let, Lord, let it be softened tonight. Let every callous fall. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you from the subject, should Christians get involved in politics? You could have just heard a pin drop. Should Christians get involved in politics? They should, but there's an unequivocal answer there that we need to look at. I believe that if the Apostle Paul was alive today, the Church of America would get a letter in the book of Revelation. I believe it would be a long one. Because we have done great things, but also at the same time, there are some things that have become a stain on our nation. And so tonight, I want to look at this different. Now as I said, um, I'm going to put the truth of God's Word into this and ask the question tonight, should Christians get involved in politics? And I first of all, want to say that question is the wrong question because it doesn't really matter whether you answer yes or no because the truth of the matter is you are, whether you like it or not. Amen. Because you live in a free nation called America. Amen. I have traveled the world. I've had the opportunity to be in many third world nations and I will tell you that while America has its faults, it has its deficiencies, it is still the best, I believe, nation to live in in the world. With all of our problems, with all of our debt, with all of our fiascos in the White House, I believe that America is still a great place to live. I believe that God puts everybody where He wants them to be, and I believe that if He put us here, He certainly put us here for a reason. Amen. And so, I know it's a blessing to live in this country. So for a moment, I want you to allow your mind to wander with me, and I want you to imagine. Imagination is a great thing. God gives us an imagination. In fact, it's a shame that the older people get in life oftentimes, and I realize that is a blanket statement, but uh, oftentimes creativity and wild imagination stays with the, the, the little folks, the younger people, and as we get older, we tend to lose our imagination. But I want you to just... Imagine with me tonight for just a few moments that you would have been born in a place like North Korea. I want you to imagine living under the tyrannical dictator rule of somebody like Kim Jong-un, whom if you don't worship him, his image, if you don't do what he says, you're not inside the house when he thinks you should be inside the house, you, you don't have as many kids as he thinks you should have as many kids. And all of these things, literally, in North Korea, it's legal for him to give the okay to, to put you on a firing line any place, any time, for no reason. Can you imagine living 
in a place like that. Can you imagine living in years gone past Cuba under the rule of somebody like Fidel Castro whom under his communistic rule uh, reduced the people down to poverty and, and seduced them into doing what he said just to survive? Or what about this? What about if God would have saw fit for you to be born in a place like the Republic of China? Which, by the way, a lot of things that are shielded from the secular news you think the quarantines were bad here? They locked people in their houses. It really happened. Uh, it was a terrible thing. I want you to imagine living in any other place other than this free nation. Now, why am I saying that tonight? I'm saying that because when our forefathers came here years ago, they came here escaping the tyrannical rule of England and the mother and, the, and the, the mother government and all of those things, and they came seeking the land where they would have freedom of religion, the place where they could worship God. You see, in England, where our forefathers came from, the church and the state were together. Uh, in other words, um, in, in our American Western culture, um, it is a, it, even though the Scripture commands us to be tithers, amen, um, we don't force anybody to do that. When you lived in that day under the state church rule, you got charged the state church tax. So just like our government tax, you take out federal and FICA and state and all of that stuff, you had no choice but to pay tax to the church, tithe to the church, because the church and the government were connected. The government controlled the church. And so in some early writing documents of our founding fathers, there was some verbiage that talked about something called the separation of church and state. Have you ever heard that before? Now, that's been twisted throughout the, the years and to where it's been told that the church should never speak up. The church should never say anything that could even possibly be deemed political at all, because after all, the Constitution, this is what they say, says separation of church and state. First of all, the Constitution doesn't say anything about separation of church and state, but some of the writings do uh, talk about how the purpose of our nation forming was so that the government would no longer have control of the church. Yet, in the halls of Washington, you find that our founding fathers, even with early pictures of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, many of them, not all of them, some of them were deists, but many of them were Christian men of the Puritan faith who loved God, who served Jesus, and did not open a council meeting or any meeting of, of governmental business without prayer. This was a nation that was formed that allowed us to have religious freedom, but yet at the same time, our government and our nation was dedicated to God, and, and therefore, we're a nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian values. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because, as I mentioned, we could have been born in North Korea. We could have been born in, in uh, Cuba. We could have been born in China. How about in Iran where women have no rights and they're beheaded and, and given a death sentence for rioting against the government in the streets? We could have been born anywhere. But the truth is, is that God allows you and I to live in a place 
where the church, the righteous, have the ability to influence our government. I want to go back and read with you Proverbs 29.2. It says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. See, you and I have to realize that our nation's laws and those things that make up our our moral code of America, our moral fabric, are founded upon principles of the Word of God. See, here's the problem, though. There's some Christians that say, you know, and not just Christians, but also non-Christians, that say, well, you just shouldn't, you can't legislate morality. Have you ever heard that before? I've heard people that have uh, tried to, to talk about Christians who are so pro-life and anti-abortion, and they say, well, you cannot legislate morality. Well, the popular notion that you cannot legislate morality is a myth because morality is legislated every day from the value point system, the vantage point of one value system being chosen over another. Here's the question. The question is not whether or not we will legislate morality, but whose morality gets legislated. That's the question. The Bible says that as we get closer and closer to the last days, that evilness and wickedness increases and darkness begins to abound. I think that if we were to look at our nation and we would see some of the things that come out of the soil of the fabric of our, of our nation, though some of them are exceedingly great, we have things that are definitely a, a stain in our nation. The pornography industry, drugs and alcohol, so many different things that come out of Hollywood come from here in America and Christian people at the expense of not wanting to be offensive to anybody, they don't want to be involved. Now tonight, I want to bring some balance to this equation because I don't believe God calls us to be political as much as He calls us to be prophetic. Let me say that one more time. I don't believe God calls us to be political as much as He calls us to be prophetic. Here's why I say that. Because if you're truly going to stand for God, you've got to be willing to say when both sides are wrong. I really did not come for amens or claps. I have begged the Lord, please let me teach on something different. Over the last few weeks, I said, God, can I please just be the happy guy for one week? Please. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Politics, although they are important to our nation, the way that many people have approached this has caused more damage than it's caused good. Let me give you an example. I'm, I'm going to be very plain spoken tonight. Okay? Is that okay? Now, there are two major political parties in America. You have Democrats, have Republicans. Yes, they're independents. There's the Tea Party and the Green Party and all these other things. But usually when it comes down to our nation, you have one or the other, right? Now, let me just be honest with you, okay? I'm not trying to offend you, because what I'm about to tell you, I think will help you in dealing with people. Um, here's the thing. It, it, it used to, I would say even 15 to 20 years ago, there were people who were affiliated with the Democratic Party. That's how they voted. They, they tended to be more... Uh, you know, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for, um, more observant of the lower class and taxes and that nature. And, and used to, a person could be a good moral Christian and vote democratic. They could. You could, you could do that. Um, today, however, uh, I want to tell you that the parties have made stands on issues that are black and white. Um, I'm going to allow, allow you to do your research for yourself, but there's one side that's pushing for pro-abortion all the way up till the baby is out of the mother's womb. There's one side that is pushing for um, gay marriage, and they've already legalized that in all 50 states, but then there are other undercurrent groups. Um, uh, anybody know what uh, MAP stands for? It stands for Minor Attracted People. Th that's the next thing coming, by the way. Because if you can identify as a cat, and you can identify as a dog, and you can identify as a furry, and you can get past all of these things legally, then it's not going to be long before a 40-year-old in court says, well, hey, I identify as an 8-year-old. Now, what did I tell you? God has called us to be more prophetic than He has been, than, he, than He's called us to be political. People say, the church should not be involved. Let me just tell you something. Isaiah prophesied to kings. Ezekiel prophesied to kings. John the Baptist went against high rulers and governmental authority. And listen, when, the, when, when things were going against the Word of God, God always had people in the Scripture that spoke up. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. We live in a nation. Tonight I'm not talking about right or left, Democrat, Republic, donkey, elephant. Tonight I'm simply talking about right and wrong. God has put us in a nation where we have the opportunity to influence our world. To, 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 to pray and to actually have a say-so in who gets into the offices of the land. I believe, my friend, that is a matter of stewardship. I believe how we steward our time matters. I believe how we steward our money matters. And as an American, I believe how we steward our rights to influence our nation matters. Now, I want you to think about this because um, so many people, they, they, they vote a certain way because their family always did or they like this person or they like that person. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have a grave responsibility in our nation to do what is right by the Word of God. And I'm telling you, if a person uh, is for this, I can't sign off on that. It, it doesn't matter what color they are, what party they are. I, I cannot, as a Christian, sign off on the murder of unborn children. I can't do it. I, 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 I just can't. I, I morally don't have an option uh, to, to do that. I would rather vote uh, the person, the independent party, than to do something like that. Now, I'm telling you, it just comes down to, to understanding um, these moral issues. Now, here's what I need to tell you. Leaders of nations are not pastors. Many of them are not even Christians. 
But when we have an opportunity to pick one, sometimes you have to pick the, be- the, 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 the lesser of the two evils. Amen? Are y'all with me? We're going to get into the Word in just a moment, but I, I can tell how this is tonight. Anyway, God has put us here. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, He told them to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the earth. He gave them responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. God gave man responsibility to govern the earth. Okay? It never was meant to be big government. It was supposed to be man and God, unbroken. Sin came, sin entered the world, and God established human government, still even unto this day, to help rule over man in the land and keep the law. Now, even in God's time frame, even in God's whole plan of redemption, we see in the New Testament that there were people who were not righteous, that were in authority, like Nero. In Peter's day, Nero was the emperor, whether Peter liked it or not. And he was supposed to pray for him. He was supposed to to do right by the government up until the point the government told us to do something contrary to the law of God. See, you have man's law and then you have God's law. And God's law always supersedes man's law. If the government comes and says you can't pray, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to obey God or to obey the government. Well, if the government tells me that I can't pray, I'm going to pray. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? You say, oh, pastor, that's silly. Ask everybody in California about two years ago. They told them don't, don't, don't chant. Don't sing, don't take communion, don't don't pray out loud. But the strip clubs were open. They could shake their booty on a pole, forgive me for saying that, but that's what was happening. Liquor stores were open. All of that stuff was open, but yet there were people that were Christians who said, well, we just can't rock the boat. Thank God there were some people in California like Mario Murillo and other people who stood up and said, we're not going to take it anymore. Because we still live in a free nation. But it may not stay that way if the church doesn't pray, if the church doesn't exercise her spiritual authority and privilege that God has given us in in the Word. We're going to look at stuff tonight, and I, I want you to just Hang with me for a moment. First of all, I want you to breathe because here's what you need to know. Jesus was neither a Democrat nor was he a Republican. Neither. He probably would have voted neither. He probably would have voted neither. Now, tonight, I got a couple of things I want you to look with me in the Word of God tonight. Number one, here's what I need you to know. The question we're asking is, should Christians, it's not really a matter of should because we are. Here's what you need to know. Number one, government is ordained by God. Government is ordained by God. Now look at this, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. God established government, and government's job is to keep order in the land. Now you ready for this? Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Uh Uh-oh. Therefore, 
whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers, notice this, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. For because of this, notice this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore all due taxes, taxes to whom are due, customs to whom are due, fear to whom fear, and honor to honor. Now I'm telling you, that gets under a lot of people's skin. Because we don't live in a, in a non-per- we live in a non-perfect world stained by sin and government can be wrong. They can misuse taxes. Come on, how many of you have ever heard of a, of a politician padding their pockets with tax money? Makes you bitter, makes you not want to pay taxes. Come on, have you ever driven down one of our side roads here in the state of Oklahoma, and you, you wonder, hmm. But yet the Bible says we're supposed to pay taxes, we're supposed to submit ourselves to government because when it's doing what it's supposed to do, their job's to keep order. He says they do not bear the sword in vain. Government is established by God. Now, the government, notice this, is supposed to punish evil, not be evil. I'm starting to think I'm preaching to a studio audience tonight. The government is supposed to punish evil, not be evil. Romans 13 shows us that God's intent for human government is to be moral. Let me stop right there. This is why we need the right people. We need moral people. People who pray. People who love family. People who love God. Come on. We need people in the highest places of the land. Yes, we need people. The Old Testament was replete with people, kings who loved God. Equally, it was filled with kings who did not obey God. Israel prospered when the king loved the Lord. Israel suffered when the king did not love the Lord. When the righteous are in rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked are in authority, the people groan. Government is ordained by God. Here's the second thing. Why should Christians get involved? You ready for this? Because number two, we are citizens of two kingdoms. We are citizens of two kingdoms. Now, I want to address something tonight that I, that I have witnessed creep in to the Western world that I think is totally contrary to Scripture. See, there's a doctrine called dominionism. And it, it goes way much further than God giving Adam and Eve dominion. But kingdom dominionism theology basically is, is a theology that, that a lot of um, hyper-charismatic people uh, tend to propagate and here's what it says 
it says that Christians are just going to take over the world and they're going to make it perfect and then they're going to hand it over to Jesus and then Jesus is going to come back and just fill right in to what we've made perfect. That's not what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. Not only were there crazy stuff happening with Noah angelically and otherwise, but in Noah's day, eight people made it and everybody else got washed away. Peter says, I'm going to renovate the earth with fervent heat and the elements will melt everything down. We read about it in our, in our family devotion the other night. The rainbow that God promised was a sign that he would never flood the earth, but the next time he would renovate it by fire. Let me tell you something tonight. We are supposed to be stewards of the earth. We're supposed to take care of the earth. But sometimes we have to not forget that this world is not our home. We are a citizen of this world. We have dual citizenship. We are, even right now, we're dual citizens because even though my feet are right here, the Bible says that I am seated with Christ in a heavenly kingdom. So we're citizens of a dual, of a, of a dual kingdom. So right now, God has given us a responsibility. Now, don't get it twisted because here's where we mess it up sometimes. The kingdom that we live in here on this earth in America is a democracy, a republic. The kingdom of heaven is not. So those governments operate differently. And sometimes we try to treat the kingdom of heaven like a democracy, and that's why the church is in so much trouble. But we've got to understand that you and I are citizens of two kingdoms. We're a citizen of the United States of America. And if we believe that God put us here and put us where He wants us, then we've got to realize that He put us here for a reason. Because of that, we have to live in both worlds. We have to live in both worlds. In other words, our lives are governed by the laws of the land. Our lives are governed by the laws of the land. And we live in a land now to where two men can marry each other and two women can marry each other because the church would have rather had a prayer meeting only and not get out and do anything about it. That went over like a screen door on a submarine. I believe in praying, but praying only doesn't fix the problem. We have to be um, militant in our advancement towards the kingdom of God on earth we have to educate we've got to pray we've got to do our part as citizens of this land because of that that means as a Christian we have a kingdom duty and we also have a civic duty we're citizens of two kingdoms here's the third thing here's the third reason why Christians should get involved because doing nothing is not an option. Not an option. Tonight, please understand, I'm not talking about holding signs and picket fences and, there, there's, 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 and, and, and there's times and places for those things. That's not what I'm talking about because I'm going to be quite honest with you. The reason why I said if Paul was alive today, or, or rather, I'm sorry, Paul, but John, if John was alive today, we would have got a letter in the book of Revelation it's because it never fails during election time. I see so many Christians share political stuff that never share anything from their church, 
They never share the scripture of the day from the Bible app or anything. It's almost like politics has become our God in this nation. Are you with me? I told you this was not going to be popular. But that doesn't mean we don't have an opportunity. See, there's a difference between being patriotic and being a nationalist. We're to love our country. We're to love it and fight for it. That's why we have our military and our people who protect it with their blood and with their life and who have given their sweat and tears to have this place that we call America. But my friend, let me tell you something. My allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven higher than it is to my citizenship of America. But notice this. Doing nothing is not an option. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1-2. through 2. Look at this. Paul, writing to his young son in the faith, Timothy, here's what he says. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all who are in authority. Notice this. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and all reverence. The Bible teaches us that at the bare minimum, we're to pray. For all men, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Why do we need to pray for those who are in authority? Here's why. Because it's God's, God's structure of government. See, God, God has government and authority in all different aspects. Parental government, we have, as children, have parents over them. There's spiritual authority. There's legislative authority, gov- governmental authority. God is a God of order. And notice, he says, pray for those who are in authority. Why? Because, that's, because it'll help you to lead a quiet and peaceful life. In other words, how the people above us lead affects our day-to-day lives. That means you should pray for whoever sits in the White House, whoever sits in the governor's mansion. Who, I didn't vote for him. It don't matter. You think Peter wanted to pray for Nero? No, he was torching Christians and dousing them in oil and hanging them in his hanging garden for a decoration at nighttime. But yet God said to pray for those who are in authority. And it doesn't mean to pray that they'd die. You'd be surprised what I've heard some people say. Yeah, it's okay to pray for them to move on. Yeah, it's okay for them to, 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 to pray that, that their evil schemes will come to nothing. But you know how you really ought to be praying for them is that they'd get born again. I don't know about you, but if I'm on the back end of a plane, I don't want my pilot to crash. Because there's very few uh, airline accidents where people walk away from And I would rather the person flying the plane even if they're on autopilot or somebody else is telling them how to fly the plane. I would rather them make it to the ground safely. So we have to pray for those who are in authority. We have a responsibility to be informed of the issues. Are you hearing me? In other words, somebody comes and knocks on your door and says, my name is so-and-so, I want you to vote for me. Well, you might think, well, man, they sure were nice and they were sweet or 
that's my third cousin or something like that, I would encourage you to go and get educated on what they believe, where they stand. Here's a good one. Where have they voted in previous issues? You know all that's public record, right? All of it's public record. And see where they, where they stand. Where do they stand on injustice? Where do they, where do they stand in religious liberty? Where do they stand on, on, um, on all of these big issues? Where do they stand on abortion? You don't think that's important? It's important. It's not the only issue in the world, but it is a pretty big issue. I would say taxes and the shedding of innocent blood are not on the same playing field. But doing nothing is not an option. We have a responsibility to pray. We have a responsibility to be informed. We have a responsibility to vote. A responsibility to vote. Doing nothing is a vote. You, you understand that, don't you? I always get tickled people in church business meetings. They have votes and then they choose not to vote. You know your no vote is a vote? It is. It's a vote for the other way. 100%. So here's what we have to understand. Here's what, here's what I was saying. Christians do have a, have a responsibility to get involved in the structure. But we can't let it divide us like it has. I heard a very well-known, nationally known, internationally known pastor get up from his pulpit and say, if you're a Democrat, you're not welcome in my church. And I'm thinking, what an idiot. Because if you really say you don't agree with those people, you don't agree with their platforms, aren't those the people you want to reach? I wouldn't want to go to his church. I would never want to hear anything he had to say again. So I, as a pastor, rather than to get on board of endorsing this one and that one, and I'm very vocal, I don't hide who I'm for, but here's what I want to tell you, I'm always going to vote for the one that's more righteous in their stance. But I'm also going to call them out when they use bad language and say things contrary than what they should. Are you with me? It's tight, but it's right. We have a responsibility to pray. We have a responsibility to be informed. And we also have a responsibility to walk in love. Because just because we don't agree politically on a major issue doesn't mean we can't communicate. Because you know what? You never win a soul trying to win an argument. So rather than say, I'm for this one, I'm for that one, like the early preachers did, they stuck with the issues. And yes, when the government went crazy, they had the black robe regime, and they raised up, and they said, you know what, we're going to stand up for our rights, and we're going to stand up for our freedom. But at the end of the day, the moral issues are what really matter I'm convinced more than ever, most people don't know why they believe in what they believe in. But I could never get up and say, if you vote this way, don't you come back in here. It sounds cocky and it gets a lot of YouTube views. 
It gets you some hate mail and some death threats. And the, you know, it's always funny to me people call stuff spiritual warfare when they're the ones that started the fight. You throw a rock in a pack of dogs, and when the dog bites you, you try to bind the devil. No, you threw the rock. Come on, somebody. Do Christians have a responsibility? You better believe it. And as long as we live in this nation, we ought never approach anything like this without prayer, without serious research, and seeking the heart of God. Amen? I'm telling you, take it seriously. God, who do you want to be the president? Who do you want to be? And then, listen, if you seek God and you do what you're supposed to do and you pray, you can rest easy at night. But you know, people who don't vote really don't have a right to complain. I've always believed that. I've always been told that, and I do believe it. But here's what I'll leave you with this. America, in all its mess, is still, in my opinion, the greatest nation. There's a lot of corruption, but you know what? Our, America, our money still says, in God we trust. We still have a right to, to speak out. We still have a right to, to exercise our freedom. And we have a responsibility to do so. Amen. And so I'm just encouraging each and every one of you because I know, and I, I listen, I'm preaching to the choir. One finger points this way, four point back this way. I, I get passionate about this stuff. But I'm determined not to let my, my political drive be more passionate than my prophetic drive. Because I want to see people get saved. I want to see our nation turn around. And listen, I will tell you, if a politician is, is doing something wicked, I'm going to speak out against it. And I speak out against preachers that hold their hands for, for, for donations and votes. It's wicked. But the prophets and even Jesus spoke out against the wickedness and injustice in high levels of leadership. Respectfully, but still, there's always a right way to communicate. But we live in a land where we have the opportunity to influence. So should we? Absolutely. Absolutely we should. Because again, it's not a matter of can you reg legislate morality. The question is, whose morality? Because for years, marriage was legally a man and a woman. Now it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And who knows what can happen next. Marry a tree if you want to. Marry a dog. I don't know. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. It's really not. You know the state of Ohio? I have friends who live there. The state of Ohio, they're in some of their high schools, they have litter boxes in the bathrooms for kids who identify, don't they? Don't they, Chris? They do. For kids who identify as animals. When I go to the bank tomorrow, I'm going to tell them I identify as a billionaire. Where's my money at? Come on, somebody. Yeah. yeah you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. On the school board, city councils, places of influence, God has given us an opportunity to be able to, to, to do that. And so while we have that, we have the opportunity. That's why I've been so vocal that, listen, this is ministry but school teachers are ministries. Bus drivers are people. You get put in the theater. People put you in different places of 
of authority in the earth and you have the ability to influence culture. But Christians, what do they want to do? They want to roll over and play possum and pray in tongues and prophesy. And I believe in all of that. I do it. But at the end of the day, James said, faith without works is what? Dead. Got to put it to action. Amen. All right, let's pray.